Hey, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and practitioner of the healing arts, living on the unceded, traditional territories of the Coast Salish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh people, otherwise known as Vancouver, Canada. On this show, we speak with leaders and visionaries from around the world to talk more about what it means to be a voice for love. Hey, this is Surya, and welcome to A Voice for Love. This is going to be an episode all about what it means to amplify and how amplification is important for social justice, for the world, and really just in in general in a ways of effective communication in this day and age on the internet. So I will share that I have learned a lot about amplifying in the past few months, and this was what I was guided to do after October 7th. So I know that we are all aware at this point of what happened in Israel on October 7th and that subsequently following uh, the events of October 7th, we have seen a massacre, a genocide, uh, you know, all kinds of horrendous events taking place uh, inside of Israel in, in, you know, with the Palestinian people. And so when this first happened, I was guided by spirit to, uh, to stay out of this one and to amplify voices instead. And I didn't really understand exactly what this meant or why. I just tried to do my best to be obedient to my guidance. And to anyone who is maybe new here or doesn't know me, I am a longtime practitioner of the healing arts, um, over 20 years now. So I'm an intuitive, uh, I do healing work, um, in addition to being a musician, and I am, I, I hear the voice of God, I hear the voice of spirit. And it's part of my work and it's part of my mission here. And I do my best to try to heed this voice, although I don't always understand um, the guidance until later on. And in this particular case, I have learned so much through this process of amplification over the past few months. So now I understand why I was guided to sort of stay out of this. And uh, I, I do believe the guidance is a little bit different now. I am being more clearly guided to speak on things because after a few months, firstly, I have educated myself more so. And I think I talked about this in my last episode. Uh, in episode 65, where I was talking about the responsibility to speak. And I talked about how in regards to the situation with um, Israel and Palestine, I thought that I was already, you know, quite well informed because I, you know, I had some awareness. I had an Israeli soldier boyfriend at one point. You know, I have lots of Jewish friends. I have Palestinian friends. You know, I thought that I knew a fair bit about this conflict. However, in the past few months, I have learned so much, like so, so much. And it was very humbling. And I was grateful that I had that guidance to sort of stay out of adding my personal opinion. And, you know, part of the reason for this as well is that I'm not Israeli, I'm not Jewish, I'm not Palestinian. So there are always going to be people who are 
experts in a certain area or a certain topic. So after I was guided to, you know, sort of not add in my own input and, uh, you know, amplify voices instead, that's exactly what I set out to do. And so I have, you know, been following and listening to all sorts of people on sort of both sides of the conflict for the past few months. And it's been very valuable to amplify the voices of others, particularly people who are experts in the situation. So the internet, as we know, is a double-edged sword, right? You know, we have the potential for so much sharing, so much connection, and and this ability to to be heard by and reach literally millions of people out there on the internet. And, and this is a good thing. And also, this is not such a good thing when you take into account the amount of false information that there is out there, the amount of fake news, the amount of propaganda, the amount of people who are just adding their insights and opinions to things that are really nothing more than that. They are just insights and opinions. But once you get somebody who has a big enough platform that has people who will listen to them, that person is able to say and do you know whatever they want. And a lot of people are still going to follow them. And that can be dangerous. It can be powerful if you if you have a leader who is, you know, giving real true factual information and who's empowering people and who is, you know, doing something that is, you know, somehow bettering life. But when when you have a lot of people out there who are narcissistic, who are sociopathic, who are self-seeking, who have ulterior motives, you know, humans are very complicated creatures. So, you know, then then we have a situation where we can have entire groups of people believing things that are not true because a so-called trusted authority told them that piece of information, right? So it, it can be it can be really problematic. And as we know, there is so much false information out there on the internet anyway. And, you know, I always say that we can find anything that we're looking for anytime. If you are looking to prove a point or, you know, looking for evidence of something, you will find it on the internet 100%, no matter what your perspective is, because there are pretty much always people who take different perspectives and different sides to things for all kinds of different reasons. So, you know, amplifying the the message of someone else who is an expert is really powerful because it means that instead of adding our own opinion or our own need to comment on something, which is a big thing, you know, I, I admittedly follow some people myself and I just look at them sometimes and I think, gosh, like these people have to comment on everything. And while, you know, they put themselves in a position where they, you know, perhaps they want to be an influencer or they want to be heard. So that's just what they want is to be heard and to be seen. And yet, again, if the truth is not being told, if it's opinion, all of these things, it can become very dangerous because, you know, people have all sorts of opinions about all sorts of things. So when we're talking about amplifying, you know, let's talk about since we're, you know, we're right in it right now with with Palestine and Israel, when it to amplify somebody else's message would mean to, you know, find an actual Palestinian person, whether they're internal within, you know, within Israel, or whether they are you know, external, like in the Palestinian diaspora, which means that they are living abroad somewhere. You know, these people are going to have a very clear understanding and lived experience of what it means to, you know, live in that area of the world and what their experience has been, you know, both currently and historically with themselves and their family members. And the same thing, if we want to talk about Israel and we want to talk about, you know, 
all that that side of things as well. We're going to have to go directly to hear, you know, to the source to hear the voices of the actual people who are, are who are having this lived experience. And so for me, in this particular situation, this is where things got a bit confusing for me because I am always committed to finding the truth of a situation. And in order to do that, one has to be a little bit objective. We have to sort of put some of our own, you know, uh, beliefs to the side and be willing to be neutral, which I was initially very willing to do. And of course, I am, you know, my, not my preference, but I'm always going to look for ways to be supportive to Jewish people and and Israel because I know so many Jewish people and I've grown up around, you know, understanding how much Jewish, like how much Israel means to Jewish people. So I was really looking for evidence to support some of those, you know, to, to support the some of the perspectives of Israel. And yet what I found is that in my, you know, travels of the internet and beyond, a lot of the Israeli perspective, unfortunately, just leaves me feeling very gaslit and confused. And it doesn't always line up with the reality of what I see being documented through Palestinian voices and through actual people who are on the ground and showing, you know, showing us what is happening there. And then when I listen to the perspective of Israel, you know, these two things don't add up. So, if I had not gone on a quest, you know, to to amplify and to look for different voices, I wouldn't have the perspective or the sort of clarity that I have now. And I can say with pretty, I can, I can say pretty confidently that it is pretty hard to deny at this point what is going on in this part of the world and what is happening there because it is being shown to us and it is being documented. And so, and this is very interesting as well, because in this case, we have literally had the people of Palestine asking the world to amplify their message, asking the world to please share this, share what is happening to us so that we can make so that we can put a stop to this and we can save our lives and we can save our communities. And I think this is the first time in history where we ever have a group of people who are, you know, documenting live their own the, the, the massacre of their own people. I don't think that we have ever had a situation like this in history before. So, and, and I want to say this again for anyone who has somehow in the past few months not heard this message. The Palestinian people are asking us to amplify their voices. They are asking us to 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 share their videos, their words, their images of the horrific things that are happening to them there. Not to traumatize people, not to further some kind of, you know, whatever their supposed agenda is because these are innocent people. And yes, while there is a conflict and there is an opposing force that is, you know, in a in a war conflict with Israel, these are not the people who are being harmed in this conflict. The people who are being harmed in this conflict are innocent people who are begging us to share and who are begging us to to amplify their message. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have the heart or I, I, I cannot sit quietly and watch these horrific things happen to these people, watch their lives being taken from them, their homes being taken from them, their children being taken from them. Like, it's just tragic. And then hear their cries of, please share, please share what is happening to us. For me to do nothing would be 
I, I couldn't live with myself. I, I could not. And so I had to go out of my comfort zone a lot in this situation, which was looking at very disturbing images that I would normally not engage in seeing, sharing these disturbing images. I've been sharing to um, my stories nonstop on Instagram for almost every day. I and I, you know, I mix up my content. I talked about this in the last uh, episode. I still keep focused and on sharing messages of light and positivity and the other things that I do. However, I always believe that there is still space for action and there is still space for for activism and supporting others in a cause inside of our social media feeds. Um, and we can we can mix up this content with our regular content. And I talked about this a lot in the in the last episode. So I have been amplifying the voices of uh, mostly Palestinian people. And I'm, and I'm super happy to amplify uh, other voices too. You know, I've, I've, I've watched the, um, you know, many of the, the mothers of the hostages of the Israeli hostages. I mean, all war is terrible, right? Like, any any war crime is is a crime. Anyone any child being taken from their family is horrible. Any innocent person getting caught in the crossfire of war is is a terrible thing. Whether it's an Israeli person, whether it's a Palestinian person, whether it's someone in Sudan or someone in Canada, even anywhere, you know. I hope that we are all wanting to make the world a safe place for everyone. You know, and this is where we have to get with our humanity is to be able to see all human beings as equal so that we can all stand together and fight for the rights of everyone. But, you know, this situation, unfortunately, has shown us that we are not there yet. And so I have been very disheartened to hear the cries of these people asking us to amplify their messages and seeing that so many people either don't hear this cry or they are not willing to act upon hearing this cry. And that to me is very distressing and it's very disturbing, especially when you have, for example, people who run organizations or who run businesses that are about motherhood. To me, I have lost um, respect and I have lost, uh, I've unfollowed and no longer want to engage with a lot of different people because of this situation, because I'm sorry, I can't take you seriously at this point as a light worker, as a so-called leader, as, you know, somebody who is, you know, running a, some kind of a business where you're speaking to mothers about empowering mothers. If you can't have a voice and it, it doesn't have to be Palestine or Israel. OK, that's the big one that's on the world stage right now. But it could be, you know, there's mothers all over the world who are in need. And clearly, you know, most of these online businesses and spiritual businesses are being run by privileged people. Let's be honest. I am a privileged person as well. I, I, I also know I'm in that category and I don't have a problem admitting that because I understand my various privileges and I'm committed to using them in any way that I can to support people that don't have that kind of privilege. And a lot of people get really upset when you start talking about privilege and they say, oh, you're calling me privileged. And usually it's the privileged people who get upset when you tell them that they're privileged because, you know, it's people who have various privileges don't want to give up those privileges. And this is also ties back into this idea of amplification because, you know, when we amplify other voices, that can be a form of activism in itself. And for, you know, particularly privileged women, white women, um, it is very important to learn to pass the mic to women of color. 
it is important to learn to amplify the voices of women of color and to, uh, you know, BIPOC. I don't know what the, you know, people, the, the terms are changing all the time. My apologies. I think BIPOC is the current correct term for women of color. But um, I also know a lot of people who fall into that category who don't like BIPOC either because BIPOC actually just lumps in all people who are not white into one group. And some people like that and some people don't like that. So what I'm speaking of here are women who are not white people, you know, women who are perhaps, you know, black or South Asian or, you know, what used to be called the the a visible minority, which is now I've heard being called the global majority, which I absolutely love because the truth is that the global majority is black and brown people. The global majority is not white people. However, white people have dominated um, this planet in a very destructive way for some time now. And this is part of the problem. This is also not saying that all white people are bad or all white people are evil. I'm not saying this, never saying this. I'm a white person myself, you know, and I know, you know, lots of wonderful white women and white people who are doing the work and, you know, doing their best every day to show up and be an ally and to, you know, amplification is one of the tools of being an ally because you realize, and it doesn't mean when we amplify, it doesn't mean that your voice doesn't matter. Like we can't get this twisted. Everybody's voice matters. Everybody has, um, you know, valuable pieces to input and share, but this goes back to the time and place, which is something that I talk about um, a lot in my voice for love course, right, is is this whole art of learning to speak up is a, whether it's an art or a practice, it's almost like a necessity, but it's, it, it's really about time and place and understanding when is it time for you to insert your personal opinion into something, especially if it's something that you don't know about. Now, if you are an expert in something, then by all means, this is that, that is probably a good time to speak on something because you're an expert. And again, everyone who is really, legitimately educated on a topic or you know has understanding or experience absolutely those those voices should be welcomed and heard because we don't you know we're not trying to add to any more any more disinformation right and at the same time you know we have to recognize that other times perhaps is not the right time for us to add an opinion about something or to, you know, maybe make a joke about something or to, you know, if we're not informed about something and we're going out there and trying to talk about it, we can potentially be causing harm because we could be spreading misinformation. We could be confusing people. And, you know, it's best to allow people who are experts on a topic to speak about something, which is where the amplification comes in. And, you know, in this particular situation with Palestine and Israel, I do really feel like this cause and what I see is a lot of really powerful voices who have um, come up in the past few months since October 7th. And these voices are mostly of BIPOC women. Okay, these are and they're not all Palestinian women either. I've seen women who look like they are from a, a South Asian background. There's a wonderful um woman named Kim Syra. She comes from a Filipino background, um, Filipina. She is doing a fantastic job of calling out the the spiritual community. I think I might have mentioned her in my last episode as well. But, um, you know, there's there's uh, I can I can make a list somewhere of people if, if you're interested 
that uh, to follow in in regards to this. And you know, in this oops in the, in this uh, particular topic as well, you know, this is not a new thing. This has been going on for 75 years, right? The creation of Israel was, you know, 1948, 75 years ago now. So this, although this conflict that started on October 7th is is a new happening, the issue itself is not new. It's been going on for a while and you have a lot of people that this is their lived experience. And this can include also... Um, Lebanese people, Syrian people, Egyptian people, you know, anyone who lives around that area that may have been affected by uh, these, you know, these different wars and conflicts uh, over the past few years. So again, these are the people who are going to have a very clear lived experience. And also, of course, inside of that, you're going to find opinions, you're going to find um, different points of view, you're going to find that everywhere. However, Ever, you know, if you if you go direct to source, then you're going to be able to get a better idea of what's going on. Now, this is also where things get a little bit confusing because if you speak to Palestinian people and Israeli people, you will often get a very different lived experience when you speak to the two. And that is, of course, because of the different standards of living that exist with with these two groups of people, you know. You can be in Israel and see one, you know, one way of life that's unfolding there, which is a very, you know, it was a very blessed way of life. It's a, it's a wonderful, beautiful country from what I understand. I've always wanted to travel to Israel. I just haven't made it there yet. And then, you know, just, you know, a hop, skip and a jump away, you have another group of people who are living in a very, very, um, you know, different way that is not, you know, who are being, who don't have the same rights as these other people who live in, you know, what is often famously called the, the world's largest open air prison. And there's just so many strange people out there on the internet saying all kinds of things. Coming across human beings whose opinions, whose lived experiences, whose views on things are so, to me, completely backwards and off just you know, to me, but I'm like, wow, this is the reality that this person lives in. You know, there are still, you know, the, the, what's coming to mind right now, just, just as an example, just in case anyone's not clear what I'm speaking about is, you know, for example, I would come across a profile of maybe, you know, a, a some kind of an, like a right wing American who is crazy about, you know, gun rights and um, thinks it's okay to own guns and, you know, thinks that, you know, maybe white people are superior to other people. Like I'm talking about this kind of stuff and I will come across these sorts of profiles where they're being like, you know, completely racist, for example, but they don't see themselves as being racist. And, you know, they're not making the connection between, you know, having guns and the fact that, you know, children in America are dying from gun violence because parents will find, you know, children will go find a gun that belongs to their parents and, you know, end up shooting another kid. Like, this is a travesty. And, you know, to me, it's very clear, well, why don't you make some gun regulations and these deaths won't happen? But to a certain American mentality, they, you know, the right to bear arms and the right to have weapons and all these sorts of things is so important to them and feels so, uh, you know, it, it feels imperative to them that they have this right. And yet without making this connection that these guns are contributing to the deaths of, you know, so many innocent people, including children. 
So that's just an example, right? So the internet highlights all of this. You can go and see all of these different perspectives. So this is why listening to one another, really learning to key, like hone in our intuition is super important too, because we, we have to understand. And when you're amplifying as well, that is something that you need to really look into and feel into is, is this person a good source of information? Does this person know what they are talking about? And if so, like, what are the qualifications that this person has for speaking about what they're speaking about, right? Like, you know, and in the case of, because we're talking about Israel and Palestine, you know, again, you're going to want to find an actual Palestinian person. You're going to want to find an actual Israeli person to listen to so you can get an idea because it's so easy for us to look at what's going on in the world around us and form opinions about things. And I know it's a bit of a, a trigger that people, when people, People say that the situation in in Palestine and Israel is complex, and you know people say, "Oh, it's not that complex, or it's not that confusing." There's one part that is not confusing or complex at all, which is that one group of people is completely being massacred by the you know by the army and you know under the government orders of of another of another group of people. Right, that part is very clear. But there is some complexity. There is some, when you go into the history, and this is where I've sort of had my mind blown, is as I went into the history, I realized that, you know, while there was a lot that I knew about this situation, there is still so much that I don't know. And I continue to learn every day. And I do listen to the voices of people on both sides. And I hear everyone. And I hear, and I, and because I believe in people's inherent goodness, I really do. I believe in the inherent goodness of, of human beings. Uh, that doesn't mean I, I don't believe in bad apples and that there are bad human beings. Absolutely there are. But I do believe in our inherent goodness. And what I see, especially with Israel, is some really nice people and some really well-meaning people who have been perhaps misled by um, some very well thought out and very um, uh, intentionally executed propaganda about uh, what is happening there. And that propaganda allows these people to justify and, um, yeah, like justify this terrible massacre and these terrible things that are happening to a group of innocent people, you know, because you know, so many Israeli people believe that what they're doing is noble and good because they are, you know, trying to take down this terrorist organization, right? Which exists. Hamas is real. You know, this is not, you know, I've, uh, Hamas is real. This is something that we have to, you know, and they, they are a terrorist organization. They're not, you know, your best friends or they're not, you know, this holy, holy group of people, you know, they're born out of resistance, which is very understandable. Of course, like, I think it's pretty common sense if if any of us tomorrow, if your home was invaded or somebody tried to come and take your home from you and was, you know, causing problems in your neighborhood and blowing things up and all these kinds of things, I think, you know, we would fight back. Anyone would fight back. There, there's always a resistance that rises up in conflicts like this because after a certain point, people can't take anymore. And the truth is that the Palestinian people are innocent and have been innocent. And, and people will say things like, oh, but they elected Hamas. The last democratic uh, election there was, was it like eight, 1987 or 1997? I'm sorry, I don't have the, the, the notes in front of me here. But my point is, is that, you know, they have not had a a democratic election in the in Palestine for I think over two decades at this point. So we can't sit here and say that these people elected Hamas. You know, Hamas is a as a terrorist group who is ultimately funded by 
Iran, but I saw a video in October, and if anyone has seen this, please send it to me because I would love to see it again, where Netanyahu, who is the um, prime minister of Israel, he literally says that Hamas exists for the purpose of counter-resistance. So what that means is that, you know, this third party, this group here, Hamas, was created in order to literally do what Israel is doing now, which is use them as an excuse to annihilate these innocent people who happen to be living in this, you know, who were already living in Palestine, Israel, before Israel became officially a state. And, you know, this is all very interesting. And I've talked to people who's like Jewish people, for example, who, whose families never left Israel and stayed there. And, you know, of course, we, we have the return of, you know, so many people, so many Jewish people from all over the world who went to live in Israel. And, you know, this the big counter argument always with, with Israel is that people are uh, questioning or denying Israel's right to exist. Now, this is very gaslighty to me because I don't, I don't really hear anyone ever saying that Israel doesn't have a right to exist. And I am following a lot of Palestinian voices right now, a lot. I'm following and listening to a lot. And I have got to say, that is one thing that I have never heard anyone say. And, you know, common sense tells us that, you know, Israel does exist. And even when this conflict does get settled and when, when there is peace, you know, we, we can't expect that anyone is going to go anywhere. This is the whole problem, whether we're looking at Palestine and Israel or any any situation in the world. Anytime when you have a group of people who decide to go live somewhere else um, where there's already people living, this is going to be a problem because there's already people living there. And of course, we have seen this all throughout the Americas with the indigenous people and how, you know, the indigenous populations have been largely wiped out here. There should be many, many millions more indigenous people on Turtle Island, you know, on, on in North and South America because they, they there were many, many more, but they were all, many of them, a, a large portion of them were wiped out. And this was also another genocide. So it's really unfortunate that in the minds of humanity, a lot of these things have just become far too um, acceptable. You know, we, we live on stolen lands here in North America, and most people don't acknowledge this. Most people are not acknowledging the, the original inhabitants of this land. And, you know, we've just become really comfortable living here. And, you know, and then there's all these reasons that we can come up with, you know, that that we are entitled to live on land. And, and you know, we see this with Israel, too. Like, there's this sense of entitlement because of people believing that they have some kind of, um, you know, uh, claim to this land because their ancestors came from there thousands of years ago. You know, I'm not here to dispute that. I'm not denying Israel's right to exist. I think Israel does exist. You know, common sense tells us Israel exists. There's all of these millions of people who have moved there and they, they're, most of them are not going to go anywhere and nor should they have to if that's where they live. The only exception to that, I would say, at this point is people in Israel who do have a second home somewhere else in their original country where they came from. Those people, I would say, at this point, perhaps, you know, you might want to think about leaving or those people, perhaps, I would say, might have something to give up if they have another home to go to. But if they don't, then you know what? The, the, Israel is home now to all of these people and they're not going to go anywhere. OK. And also the Palestinian people who were there first or who were already there, they also deserve to stay there and live in safety and have all the same rights as the people from Israel, you know, and it's and it's very um, 
it's really ironic to me. I've had a lot of discussions with a lot of people. And, you know, I've also had, I, I'm fine with, and, and actually I sort of enjoy having discussions with people who have sort of opposing views to me. And I've been sort of challenged and, um, you know, gotten into discussions with a few um, different people who are, you know, either Jewish or they're Zionists or, and one thing I always hear is that Israel is the only democracy in that region and that Israel is doing all of this wonderful stuff and holding up democracy in this otherwise very, um, what's the word that they use, kind of barbaric um, Islamic regime. And that if we don't watch out that, um, uh, you know, uh, I, I never know how to say it. Is it Sharia or Shira law? The Islamic law is going to come and get all of us and, and this sort of thing like that. And this is really interesting to me because I'm like, how can you say, first off, that Israel is a democracy when not everybody inside of the country has the same rights? You know, a somebody who is Jewish or even converts to Jewish from anywhere else in the world can go and and get the right of return to Israel and live there and get all these wonderful rights that Israeli people offer, that Israel offers the citizens. And yet, you know, the Palestinian people who already live there do not have the same rights. Like right off, right there, that point alone shows that this is not a democracy. And there's, there's really no, there's really nothing you can say to that. That right there is just, if you understand what a democracy is, Fundamentally, a democracy means that everyone in that country has the right to vote for and elect their governmental representatives. So right there in that one fact alone, that proves that Israel is not a democracy. Okay, it just is what it is. Doesn't mean I hate Israel. Doesn't mean I hate Jewish people. Doesn't mean I'm questioning Israel's right to exist. And actually, at this point, you know, we've got to say that, unfortunately, it is Israel who is the largest creator of anti-Semitism in this moment of time. If we are, and you know, and we should all be concerned about anti-anything, whether it's anti-blackness, anti-Islamophobia, anti-bullying, anti-Semitic, all of these things. Hatred towards any group of people is not okay. It's not acceptable. And we all have to stand together um, as one humanity and take a stand for respect for all people. Okay. However, let's get real here. The, what, if, if people, if Jewish people are afraid of anti-Semitism, which I know they are, and I'm not denying anti-Semitism isn't real because it is, you know, hatred towards all kinds of groups of people is, is present on this earth. And, you know, Jewish people especially historically have had... Um, you know, have had a lot, anti-Semitism is real. I mean, look at the Holocaust. There, There is no denying this. And yet we can see very clearly right now that what is going to happen and what is probably already happening is that the actions of Israel will probably cause a lot of problems for Jewish people all over the world because there will be those ignorant people that cannot separate the actions of Israel from the average Jewish person. Just like there are people who cannot separate, you know, all like, for example, you know, people people cannot separate the actions of, you know, one or two groups of Muslim people for all Muslims. And this has been a rampant propaganda that we have been fed in the West for decades now, which is painting the Arab, you know, the Arab people and that look and that, you know, that is Muslim people as terrorists and praising other people, you know, Christians and Jewish people as, you know, the righteous and the God's chosen people and all this, you know, nonsense. To me, your religion is not or your your the color of your skin or the country that you come from is not what makes you a good person. 
What makes somebody a good person is literally just being a good person, being kind, having good values. You know, we we know that pretty much every single religion and spiritual tradition is telling us the same thing, which is to be kind to others, to be of service to one another, you know, yada, 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 all the things. When you break down all of these spiritual religious traditions, they're all saying the same things. And, and we see it over and over again. There are some people who follow these teachings and they embody them and they live them. And then there's other people who speak of these teachings, um, you know, that use religion and spirituality to as a as a front. And, and they use those words to mask other terrible things that they're doing. And, you know, dictators and world leaders have done this since time and religious leaders as well, right? They pose as some kind of like holy religious figure while not doing anything that they say they stand for, right? So coming back to this idea of amplification, I, I, the, the other piece where amplification can be really powerful is if you are, again, if you're unsure about something, if you're unclear, perhaps it's best not to speak on it. Amplify the voice of someone else instead. And this can also be helpful if you're afraid to speak up with your own words or your own voice. You don't have to. You can just amplify the voice of someone else. And this is very powerful. And it's powerful, especially for white women, because there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of um, problems and issues inside of feminism. And, and because feminism was a creation and, you know, ultimately, initially a tool for white women and white women didn't necessarily include the the rights or the feelings or take into account a lot of the struggles that BIPOC women face, which are, of course, larger. And they're, you know, BIPOC women are always going to have more more challenges and have had a very different lived experience. And that, again, that's not dismissing that women who are white have not had, you know, challenges and traumas in their life. I know that 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 we all have. I have myself. Um, that it's, it's, it's not about that. It's just about giving other people a voice and especially those who are historically oppressed. So, it might seem backwards to a lot of people that there's so many of us, especially, you know, people like me. I'm sure people did not and have not expected to see that my Instagram stories are, are have been full of me sharing these horrifying images of the Palestinian people. This was never something that I expected that I would be doing. You know, I've even had people close to me say, I can't watch your stories right now. You know, and I'm like, fine, don't watch them. But that's what I'm I'm doing. I, I, I am amplifying these voices because I hear the cry of people calling out to us. Can you imagine you're being bombed? Your house is being annihilated. You are um, you know, you, you, you've lost countless family members, neighbors, maybe your even own children. You've seen literally babies blown to bits in front of your face and you are, you happen to have a smartphone and you are recording some of this and posting it and begging the world to share what's happening to you in hopes that somebody's going to do something. And what you get is like largely an echo chamber of people not saying anything, of just going on with their lives while they probably continue to watch violent movies and fights and all of these things. Like, it's mind-boggling to me. And also, like, 
a lot of these Palestinian creators do have millions of followers now. You know, Bisan is one of them. If you're not following Bisan, go right now and follow this incredible young woman who's a journalist from Gaza. She's been documenting her whole story. She has touched the hearts of millions with her, with her stories, with her bravery, with her grace. You know, watching her, she's a hero to me. She is more of a hero than any award winner or any Oscar winner or that that doesn't mean anything to me even an Olympic athlete of course like I I recognize and I and I respect the the talent and the work that people put in to 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 win you know certain designations I'm not opposed to that but like for real these people are real heroes they are they are day in and day out living through an absolute nightmare for almost 130 days now and still managing to find moments of grace, still managing to smile. This is humanity at its finest. And I know that might sound really ironic and really strange thing for me to say because I don't mean that humanity as I don't mean that humanity at its finest is the fact that they're being annihilated but when you see human beings who can still have grace who can still have faith who can still find ways to you see like Bisan for example like you know she'll she'll post videos of herself with like a little cat and a, or an animal or a child and you see the grace and the love and the way that these people are still looking out for one another and taking care of one another despite this absolute nightmare that they're living in this is what i mean by the best of humanity this is the ability to stay graceful and 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 still have faith inside of such an experience Whew. This, this has changed me forever. And I've seen a lot of people saying this, that this situation has changed them forever. And, and I think there's different reasons for people saying that. It's changed me too in, in, a, in a variety of ways. It's, it's filled my heart with the, with the grace, seeing the grace and the resilience and the faith of these people. And it has also, like, my heart is damaged from seeing the silence and the apathy of the public about this. And you know, there's always things going on in the world, right? Like always. I mean, this is this is planet Earth is not for the faint of heart. I say this every time. And yet, in this situation again, this is the first time where I think we've ever had a group of people who are live streaming, documenting their own genocide and then crying out to us to do something about it. They are asking us Please share this. Do something about it. So, and, and the more that we flood the internet with these images, the harder it becomes for people to hold this position that the Israeli army is the most moral army in the world. Now, I don't doubt that these are, uh, there's, a, um, there's a clip I've seen going around many times. I'm so sorry. I'm the worst with names, but there is a Jewish professor and she has spent, um, you know, decades studying the way that Israel distributes and um, uh, and and creates this propaganda that allows the majority of Jewish and Israeli people to get behind this fascist apartheid regime. Now they don't like it when you use those words. They don't like it because they people want to hang on to this idea that Israel is a democracy, right? And one of the ways that Israel is able to continue with this is because they do have the support of a lot of 
really wonderful people and people who have power in, you know, big, big, big power in entertainment industry. This is why so many people in the entertainment industry are silent. Um, this is why people in, in a lot of different um, sectors have been quiet about this. And then we can see clearly that some of the people, even very famous people who have spoken up about this, have had some pretty serious repercussions, you know, like actors being dropped from their agencies. You know, these are these are pretty big things. So um, in conclusion, <laughs> I don't know how long I've been, I don't know how long this has been going here for him now, but um, amplification is important. Amplication is a powerful tool, both for sharing the truth so that we can all try to have a more cohesive, united front about things. And instead of everyone adding their own opinions to things that they don't really know about, you know, we can amplify voices that are experts in those fields. Amplification is a powerful tool for white women who want to be allies to, or, or anyone, I mean, I'm saying woman because I'm a woman, but, you know, uh, people, anyone, uh, white people who want to be an ally to BIPOC people, people of color, amplification is a wonderful tool, okay? And, and amplification, to amplify someone is to empower them. To amplify someone is to give them a voice. And in this situation that I've been talking about here and in situations all over the world, we have people who desperately need us to use our voices and our platforms. Social media is part of that. Social media is not perfect. It's a, it's a gong show in many ways, but it's also can be a powerful tool for sharing information. So I, I really encourage you. I hope this has inspired you. I know I got a little bit, uh, I think I went off topic a little bit because there's so much here to talk about, but I hope that overall, um, and, and you know what, and, and I can, and I did this and I can do this and I am passionate about this because I have spent the last few months really dedicated to learning as well as sharing and amplifying. But, um, and now I feel like I'm in a better space to, if, you know, if I am to add my opinion or my thoughts onto things, which I have here today, then um, it's coming from a more educated place because I know that I've taken the time over the past few months and, and watching things as they unfold, it's very clear to me what is going on. And I hope it's clear too. And I hope that we can all see this and all other conflicts for what they are. And to me, ultimately, it's not Jewish against Muslim people. It's not about Christians and like, it's not about the religion. This is about the system of white supremacy uh, weaponizing everyone and their trauma and particularly Jewish people and their trauma. And this is what the system of white supremacy does. It separates everybody and it keeps us all arguing with one another so we don't do what we actually need to do, which is come together and defeat our common enemy, which is the system ourselves, not the people. But we, the people, can become agents of the system if we, you know, for so many different reasons. And, and we do. We do for survival reasons. We do because we don't totally understand what's going on. But the actual truth of the matter is, is we are all powerful and we are extremely powerful when we stand together. And that is what the system fears the most. So whether you're Jewish, whether you're Christian, whether you're Muslim, whether you're spiritual, whether you're atheist, I hope that we all come to understand that it, it, it's not us against one another. It is, if we're against anyone, it's the system because the system has been rigged against us. So I encourage you all to amplify 
to to find voices that are from the heart of the the, the conflicts and the the situations that are close to your heart, you know, please if there if it's not your actual or your family's or something you know something that's very connected and close to you if it's not your struggle if it's not your personal you know cause that you're an expert on amplify 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 it is such a powerful tool for for uh both creating change and also to really um lessen the amount of ridiculous and untrue information that's out there. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, I welcome your comments and your feedback, and I send you all much love. Peace. You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so that you can be a force for good in your life and in the world. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to stand up for what you believe in. Peace.